Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to MK Ultra Generation. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight is Wednesday, September 21st in the year 2022, coming to you live from Amarillo, Texas, on my way to Window Rock, which we'll talk a little bit about in a minute. The, that's coming to a massively awesome end, is that the part of the journey. But anyway, before we begin tonight, we have to really be aware of the dangers that are starting to emerge around us. And that's also essential that we are prepared to, to protect our home. And one of those tools that you should have to do that is called iTarget. You know how passionate I am about our Constitution and especially the Second Amendment, but just as passionate about being responsible and protecting my family. I discovered the perfect way to train with your firearm in the comfort of your own home and continue to improve your skills. It's called iTarget Pro, and this system is a game changer for me. All I did was download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into my firearm, and start training. The system develops muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. Right now, save 10% plus get free shipping with the offer code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, when you go to itargetpro.com. With the cost of ammo through the roof, this is the perfect solution for you. That's the letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com. The offer code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. This is something you definitely need. Yes, indeed. The Bards promo code, once again, B-A-R-D-S at itargetpro.com. Check it out. Awesome piece of kit, something you're definitely going to want. Just got one for one of my former Delta operator buddies, and he loves it. So there you go. Check it out. All right, Patriots, a couple quick announcements before we go. This Friday night, I have a fantastic interview that I did this morning that I really want you to plan on listening to. It's with Pastor Brad Cummings. We are going to get into some areas that we just too often avoid. And this is a pastor who myself, he self-proclaims himself. He used to be a pacifist and he is going to talk about self-defense, taking back this nation, the idea that we are the seminal line to protect the constitution and what that requires and how that is literally in the terms of the black robe, how that is scripturally grounded. So I really want you to pay attention to this. We had a fantastic interview today. This is an ongoing discussion that Brad and I have, and it's part of an upcoming book as well that we are working on. So just some highlights there that I think you really will enjoy. In other news, I just want to share with you, I've been telling you on this entire trip that one of the main targets has been Navajo Nation. And when I went out to Plymouth, I had a 12-hour ride. And in that ride, I literally was talking to Father, and I said, look, Father, this is going great. The trip is awesome. But we're at a point right now where I don't have any connections with Navajo Nation. So I'm just reminding you and telling you I trust you, but I'm sure things will manifest as they need to. So after Plymouth, I received an email from a woman, and I didn't pick the email up until over the weekend because it had gone to another email account. And she had told me that she could introduce me to the vice president of Navajo Nation. So I called her last night and she immediately left a message with the vice president of the Navajo Nation. Today, she made that contact, passed the, his contact to me. I called him. Patriots, on Friday at 2 p.m., I'm going to Window Rock, the capital of Navajo Nation, to sit with the vice president of Navajo Nation and to hand off Bible number 11 in this journey. I just want to point this out, that when I left this, God had put this on my heart to do, and I had no contacts with Navajo Nation. But trusting in Father and knowing how things will go, I knew that it would work out just fine, and here we are. So this is how God works. Just a quick reminder, 
never lose faith. Always stay true to what he has us do, no matter what it seems like we are doing, and never lose faith. I am so excited about this meeting. And then from there, I move on to John Benzinger's church to complete the mission. So it's going to be fantastic. All right, so tonight, we've got a number of things to go over. Tonight's headline is kind of encapsulating on a number of things I want to talk about. But I want to begin with kind of a framing of MK Ultra Generation. Last night, we talked very in-depth about the damage of the dopamine hits and, and the dopamine addictions that are happening to children. But what we also have to start understanding is our children are being victimized by an education process that has been designed around MKUltra training. Our children are the subject of a political movement, a global political movement, in fact, to destroy the family and turn the obedience of the child over towards the state so that they do whatever the state wants them to do. As we covered last night in the dopamine part of it, which today, interestingly, in our family room channel on Telegram, there was at least one testimony confirming what I was talking about, which is that once children get this over a dosage of dopamine, they can never be satisfied with anything. That's part of the plan that they're doing with children. So the children are forever miserable and they will be obedient to whatever they're told to do. And that also brings up higher levels of violence as well. MK Ultra training is or conditioning that is going on in our schools takes on essentially three forms and it's three stages that they're working on. The first stage was rolled out under Obama and that was Common Core. And what's important to understand about what Common Core does is Common Core takes away the importance of truth and focuses on process. Now, in the sense, that sounds rather innocuous unless you know what is actually happening in the brain. Once we remove any concept of truth as a child, they're now put into free fall. The brain seeks truth, especially as a young developing brain. It seeks to have resolute truth. One of the reasons scripture is such an important relationship for a child is it gives them an azimuth of truth, no matter what they're hit with in their lives. And that gives them a foundation and armor, as we talk about in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. But what happens when, they, when we strip away God, as most families have done, and when we strip away God, as all schools have done, and when we strip away the relationship of God, as our government has done, and essentially a child is walking into an agnostic world, they're now being programmed by those that are parents, the parents are now outsourcing their parenting to, which are the teachers. Now, arguably, not all teachers are evil, but arguably at this point in time, all teachers are part of the problem. And that's something that has to be said. If you're a teacher and you hear this, I need you to hear what I'm saying. If you are still teaching anything to do with the curriculum provided, you are an, a, an accessory to the crime of destroying children, and you are criminally guilty in a future that we will be resetting in this world. That is not a negotiable as far as I'm concerned, and as far as I'm concerned, every single person that was in part, part of this process of destroying children or destroying or damaging them, you will be held accountable. At the very least, you'll be held accountable to feet of God. That's not even a question. So what's happening? So Common Core, when a child comes in to see Common Core, or into a school, they get exposed to this idea of process rather than outcome. I, I actually, when I was in second and third grade, they tried this type of program and what they called new math and another one which there was about a phonics program of how to teach spelling. Both were miserably, miserable failures. And the spelling thing took me years to work through because it screwed me up so badly. That was the early experiments. And where was that? That was in the Bay Area, right where the hotbed of liberalism was, right where you have all these crazies now with tech doing their same thing. So what the children get exposed to is the fact that of a process, there's no outcome of truth. What that does in the brain is it opens the brain up to seek, but it doesn't know where it's seeking. So it's very re receptive and susceptible to outside influences of leading them to other places. Now we enter in with a destabilized subject, which was phase one of this, was to get that common core rolled out under Obama. Phase two is critical race theory. Because under critical race theory, what they do now is as they start to attack the race of the individual, and they start to talk about in particular how if you're white 
or you're part white or your parents are, are of a mix, that you are of a lesser class, that you were the problem, you must be considered a lesser class because you are the problem which has perpetuated all these other things in the world, that you are guilty of crimes that you've never done, but you must carry the burden of guilt from your generations past. And in this critical race theory, which gets, it's more involved than that, but it's essentially, it replaces God with a new type of religion, a religion that places the state and the focus on race and division as central to its themes. And this becomes the worship that a child is now exposed to. And that guilt and that burden is actually quite easy to roll in because so many churches preach guilt anyway. It's an easy replacement for many people to, to just transition into because so many of us are conditioned by the guilt of the church, which is ridiculous, but you know my feelings on that, which I'm sure I'll expound deeply into tonight as I get into a rant in Fishers, not that I would do a rant ever in Fishers. Look forward to it. So as we move through this, the next thing, the third phase of this is queer theory. Queer theory is critical because what queer theory does now is it introduces the idea that gender is a choice. It's a cultural norm. It's not a biological issue. We're born with biological parts, but the choice of gender is each and our, our own. And why this becomes very critical in the stepping is that the common core breaks down the mind into what we call subalterns so that they're easily programmable by the system to do many different things. You can now teach a child to hate their parents. You can teach a child to hate anything or love something, particularly the state. And then you give them the guilt of their race, and then you offer them an opportunity to find salvation. Salvation is in these terms, obviously I'm using Christian terms intentionally here. Salvation is now found through a choice of a gender that you no longer feel guilty about. So you can now choose to feel good because you're so confused and you're so distraught with the fact that you're a white male. You can now choose to be identified as a trans black puppy. I mean, I'm, I'm really not exaggerating here. So you can find whatever you want in the comfort of these new gender definitions and with new pronouns that empowers you and gives you strength and salvation in the system that is controlled by the state. It is truly an architecture of a religion. And it is done intentionally to destroy the family, to separate the child from the family and make the child a subject controlled fully by the state. This is what parents are subjecting their children to anytime they send their children to private school, or I'm sorry, public school and many private schools. You have to dig deep into the curriculum to even know whether your private school is safe or your charter school is safe. This is the world that we now live in that is waging a full-scale war on children because they see the children and the control of children as critical. And worse yet is that those that are puppeteering this program, the majority of these out there, have desires for children. The man-boy love society, Mamba, for one. They see children as a sexual object. They enjoy seeing children being turned into playthings. They get their pleasure out of knowing that children are, for example, young boys are castrating, desire to be castrated, or young girls are desiring to be mutilated by having their breasts removed. And they find it comical that parents are completely so stupid that they would play into this. I am brutal when it comes to parents on this. If you are participant and allowing your child to participate in any of this, you deserve a millstone at the very least and a long damn fall into the lake of fire. And I hope it burns you for a lifetime. Parents that are failing in their responsibility to protect children from this are as bad as Satan himself, as far as I'm concerned. Because most of the motivation of parents is weakness, and usually it's a desire to be recognized by their other fellows in their social groups as being compliant to the social trends so that they look better. It's weakness, it's fecklessness, it's, it's the most horrid aspect of humankind. And the children that they were asked to protect are being eviscerated, basically. So with this, it's then very easy, as children are put into this very complicated environment, it's then very easy for children 
to become subject to other very deadly things because they have lost a lot of their critical theory and critical ability to navigate through critical issues. Here's one that's just, it's heartbreaking, but I want you to hear it. How's it going, TikTok? This is a PSA for parents. If you're a parent and have a child of school age, you need to listen to me. I'm a nurse practitioner. I'm also a mom. In the past 24 hours, my local hospital has lost 11 people to fentanyl poisoning. 11. Let that hit you for a minute. Of the 11, six were under the age of 15. Do I have your attention? This is a third or fourth video that I've posted. If you're a parent and you have a child of school age, I want you to stop right now, pause this video, and Google rainbow fentanyl. Google it. Looks like sweet tarts. My girlfriend, her daughter, went to eighth grade. My girlfriend's an OBGYN, private Catholic school, same school my girls went to. She went to school one day and she took what she thought was a sweet tart, come to find out it was rainbow fentanyl. She died because the school did not have Narcan on hand. All right, <clears throat> here's what I wanna say. Educate yourself, have a conversation with your physician and your pediatrician. Then I want you to educate yourself about what OD looks like, okay? Then as a parent, it is your job. Narcan is in fact available in most states. In some, it's actually free. You walk into the pharmacy, you tell them you've heard about this new drug, you wanna be prepared. In those states, it is not free. Most insurance providers will in fact cover the cost of Narcan. You give them your insurance, you wait, they give it to you, blah, blah, blah. Once you've Googled what OD looks like, I'm gonna explain Narcan to you. I've posted four or five videos, but I'll, I'll get into it with you. Know what OD looks like. If you see an OD, you spray it in the nose. You wait one or two minutes. If you don't get a response, you do it again. Always call 911. Parents, it is way past time to have those difficult conversations with your children. And don't come for me and say my kid would never or just say no. Because let me tell you something, you haven't seen what I've seen in the past 24 hours. You have no idea. People that are addicted to fentanyl, I can't. I can't even. And you don't want to know. It is way past time to educate yourself and educate your children because let me tell you something, if you don't, you may never get to. I'm giving you a gift and I'm expensive. My girlfriend's daughter, she'll never graduate high school, she'll never get married. This sweet little child was ambitious and driven and funny and she rode horses with my kids. Please don't let that be you. Don't let it be you. Don't let it be your children. Don't let it be your neighbor's children. Let me read you about this rainbow fentanyl. Rainbow fentanyl is, this is a warning from the DEA of the public to the public alarming emerging trend of colorful fentanyl available across the U.S. Rainbow fentanyl is a brightly colored fentanyl made by drug cartels to look like candy to children and young adults. Fentanyl is a synthetic opiate that is 50 times more potent than heroin and 100 times more potent than morphine. Rainbow fentanyl can be found in several forms, including blocks that resemble sidewalk chalk, pills, and powder. You know, I'm just going to say it. Whoever the hell came up with this, there is not even a place in hell that's nice enough for them. This is something that's designed along with this entire war to destroy the children. We are seeing a war against children in this country to destroy them mentally, emotionally, and to create addicts out of them before they even have a chance to grow up. Parents, you are on the front line. And for that matter, every one of us now is on the front line. And we're going to have to start drawing a hard red line as to what we will accept. If we turn our backs at all on any of this, we are guilty of the same sin that they, those that are creating it. We have a responsibility to protect the innocent, and right now the war is out here, and there's only one group of people that can stop it. 
and that's those that are awake, aware, and vigilant. This is war against the entire foundation of this nation. It wasn't enough to settle for the destruction of the wisdom class, our elderly, because they know that the youth coming up would have an opportunity to lead this nation back to where it was. But don't kid yourself for a moment and think that somehow this is an evil that was incubated on its own outside of our borders. Cartels are working in concert with people in this country to deliver this specifically to children to destroy them permanently. There can be no greater evil than this. And this is combining with everything else they're being exposed to. And sadly, because of the format of schools and education, which is breaking down their cognitive capacities, that begins again with common core. They're not, they're not even possessing the normal, rational, common sense that most people would have. Children are susceptible to these things because they've lost a lot of their critical capacities to discern. And unfortunately, most of that falls back in the home. This is a war. And I don't know how many ways to dice that one up for you. But unless we get to a war footing, we are going to continue to see the slaughter of innocence. And as much, you can pray all day, but I'm going to tell you that this is a war that we created and we better start fighting because our duty is to protect the innocent. Prayers are good. Action has to be backed by prayers. There has to be, there has to be works faith with works with faith. So, patriots, this is a very, very critical time in our nation, on many, many levels. We are seeing this war continue on across the entire country. We're seeing a deconstruction of our nation in a level that we've. Never imagined. I want to play this piece for you. This is an insight into what's going on in New York City as their system in New York is imploding and literally collapsing before our very eyes. I just spent the entire morning listening to accounts of people that live in New York City and what they're experiencing with the migrants coming out on the buses, specifically homeless people. And if what they're saying is true, then what you and I thought was happening in New York, it's in fact worse. And you are watching a system in real time completely crumble. The New York Times itself actually said that it's at a breaking point. So what you have to understand about New York City is not only is it a sanctuary city, but it's a right to shelter city. So that means for every, and this is this is into law, for every person, for every, every homeless New Yorker, they have to have a bed for them. And I'm starting to hear that some people, some homeless New Yorkers are being turned away from shelters because they are at capacity and they have already violated their right to shelter back in July. Uh, so now you have the mayor talking about, well, maybe we should look at this, this right to shelter. Maybe we shouldn't have this. What? So, okay, so what, where, where are people going to go? Where are they going to sleep? He's also talking about putting people on a cruise ship. Okay, we house people on a cruise ship. And then what? Another one? And then what? Another one? And another one? And another one? What's the end game here? Uh, but this was probably the, the most upsetting uh, you have um, charities that are greeting these migrants when they arrive on the bus in Port Authority and they're being given clothes, phones, food, and uh, hotel rooms. These items are not available to New Yorkers or homeless New Yorkers. They are only available if you have come off of that bus. So they are only there for the migrants. There was one guy, he was an immigrant from Venezuela he immigrated, I think about four or five years ago and has a job, has a family, made a life for himself. And he's scared. He's terrified uh, because there's a reason he left Venezuela and he knows what is coming from Venezuela. And this was actually corroborated today by the DHS. They said that they have intel that the um, prisons in Venezuela are emptying out their prisoners and sending them up here. Sounds crazy, though, right? Like that sounds like what who would do that well it's happened before 
That happened in Florida. Look at the Mariel boat crisis. That's what Cuba did. They emptied their, their prisons and, and sent people up here. Why would you not do that? I also heard, and this isn't necessarily related to the border, but it just goes to show that people are in need, that you're starting to see middle-class people in, in some parts of New York digging through the trash for food. And so it begins. We've been saying for a long time now that we are entering into a crisis of crisis, of crises, and we are here. This war has been slipping up on people slowly. It began with masks, which seemed somewhat innocuous. It began with the fear porn that was spread across this nation. We were pretty strong and resolute when President Trump was being attacked, and I think they saw that. In fact, the more they attacked President Trump, the more that the movement dug in. But once they brought in the pandemic and all the fear porn, the movement broke to a large degree. And this is what I've said for a long time. The Q movement in particular, which I'm highly critical of, should have been the lead element in spreading the truth about the vaccine. It wasn't even to be found. And the meme, tech, the meme skills that they had were all buried and lost as, they, as many of them dug in for the mask and dug in for the vax. They won't admit it, but I know it's true. The real patriots that stood up and stood for this are the ones that had God in their, on their heart and Christ under their feet. And I'm telling you, that is what's going to make the difference in this entire fight. Moving forward, as the vax rolled out, again, it was those who had strong faith that resisted it and could see what was coming. And though those narratives ranged from revelation to just constant, just keep your eyes on Christ, nonetheless, the whole theme was always the same. Put your faith in God and trust that we can get through this without them. And we understood very clearly that there was no way, reason, no way we were ever going to bow to some agency that was trying to tell us how to rewrite our God-given perfection of an immune system. We've now arrived at a point where the damage of the injection has been done. It's massive. We've had a huge die-off and continue to have a die-off. What the core of the vax is, we still don't really know. In talking to Dr. Lee Merritt today, it's sounding more and more like the vax is a digital sort of parasite is the easiest way to say that, which opens opportunities to have people be cured through parasitic type, anti-parasitic type medications, which is a whole other story, but there's hope. Nonetheless, the war continues. And as they went through that phase of war, then they begin to wage the other levels of war, food, food costs, economics, fuel. And they started to break down that and put on more and more stresses on the family. The family was already under stress, and now the war is being waged full scope on children. As they rush in more migrants across this country, spread them around in cities, as you see the gameplay going on between Texas and Florida as they push migrants into other areas that are liberal areas, which is just more or less a distraction because at the bottom line, it's not solving the problem. They're still here. And all of these things that are swirling around, we're missing the key points of this fight. We're missing what's really going on. And the distractions continue. We have another distraction that was announced today with President Trump. And that was the, the lawsuit now that has been proclaimed by New York City. Take a listen to this. I'm announcing that today we are filing a lawsuit against Donald Trump for violating the law as part of his efforts to generate profits for himself, his family, and his company. The complaint demonstrates that Donald Trump falsely inflated his net worth by billions of dollars to unjustly enrich himself and to cheat the system, thereby cheating all of us. This is a very easy narrative to sell to the left because the left feels very strongly that there is a collective sense of everything, that what you earn is equally theirs. Even though they don't really take responsibility for the other issues, drugs, violence, crime, those sorts of things, they don't take responsibility for that because that's not their problem as long as it doesn't affect them. The left is very much an elitist mentality that anybody that is not them needs to suffer. They are very vengeful. It's all part of this religion that they've grown up in. 
this religion, this ideology that is built around common core critical race theory and queer theory. This is what our children are being indoctrinated into. And it's being brought into. So when you see how somebody acts on the left, you better look carefully at your child because if you're putting your child into public school, what you see in the streets in the future will be their future unless you put your foot down. As parents, if parents are not stepping up to get their children out of schools and homeschool them, you are risking losing your child forever. And I don't mean that lightly because once this ideology sets in deep, it is a cult. And if you have never done cult deprogramming, and I've been part of one incident of this, I will tell you right now, it is the most incredible and most difficult thing you ever have to do is to deprogram somebody that has embraced an ideology, which has with it all its social relationships, all of its virtues, all of the values, all the morality in which they live in. Once you to deconnect, decouple somebody from that is literally like ripping off skin from your arm. It is that complicated. When you add to that the neurochemical aspect to that of dopamine and adrenaline, and you add to that the literally MK Ultra style programming, which is deep and begins when they are young, there's little hope to save some of these kids. And I'm sorry to be that blunt, but it's true. These children are being worn out, exhausted, and turned into slave subjects by the time they are in their mid-teens. And unless we as parents and as people in these communities are willing to take a step forward and put our foot down, we are going to watch yet another generation get slaughtered. The millennial generation was one of the first. Much of it has been lost, and it's dying off the fastest of all those taking the shot. Z generation has a lot of hope, but they're waging a full-on war against Z, Generation Z, and whatever generation follows that. So, Patriots, the onus is on us. There's no, there's no passing the buck onto anybody else. If we don't take the step forward to stand for these kids and be an aggressive position for these kids and voice for these children, we're not going to get anywhere. And that's a sad point. A lot of the things that are going on in, in the world are disturbing. We've seen an enormous amount of increase in crime. We see the increase in suffering. We see the increase in threats to our basic way of life. And those are going to increase. And we're coming to a culmination point. There's no question about it. Personally, I think the month of August is going to be a crazily, crazily hot month. And here's another thing to keep in mind. And I will tell you this, and you're hearing it from me, because you know my position on a lot of this. Many of the Q predictions are likely to start showing up. But if you're going to let yourself fall into that Q trap and lose your perspective on where our foundation is, which is our relationship with Christ, you're going to be yet another victim in this war. There are so many distractions and temptations right now in this time. And the only way to get through this is to keep your eyes on Christ and keep our responsibility as God would expect us to. We are not to sit idly by and watch children suffer and be used as sample torture mechanisms or guinea pigs in a master experiment to strip them from families and turn them into political subjects. That means that we are to start working with our neighbors, not just expecting our neighbors to do their job. If you don't have children, then we need to be working with them to help them get their children out of school. We have to start working together and building our communities. And I've talked about that a lot, but it's very difficult for some families to be able to get their kids out of school, two working two parents that are working or one parent that's working, getting them to be able to be homeschooled can be very difficult. Not everybody has an extended family nearby or a grandparents that are willing to do it. I've witnessed that part where there has literally been a a close friend of our family that has been homeschooling as the grandparents have been homeschooling their grandson. It's an amazing process and it's an amazing gift that they're giving to their grandson. But that is more of a rarity than it is a commonality. As communities, we have to start coming together. We have to start identifying where there are children that are going to school. We have to engage those parents as we can to start to get to know them, to start to make them aware as much as we can. And anybody that's willing to listen, we have to just push in.
Time is of the essence right now. The damage is being done. And I don't think that the damage is easily undone. I, I know that there's always comments like, God can fix all of this. Yes, he can. There's no question about that. But the point is that this is a fight that we're in. And we have dominion. And he's given us that authority. And he's given us the instruction to do just that, protect the innocent. And if we're not going to take that responsibility forward and start living it, then what are we expecting God to fix? This time is so critical that we start working with communities to help them facilitate any time we can, whether it's through your church or whether it's through your just interactions in your neighborhood. We've got to get these kids out of the indoctrination camps that these schools are. Public schools are no longer safe whether it's the education that they're being provided, the curriculum, whether it's what the teachers are teaching them, whether it's the exposure to all sorts of radical theories, whether it's just the intimidation and pressure by the, by the children that, are, that occur on a daily basis, or whether it's the drugs. They are havens now for the destruction of our youth. Our public schools in the end will have to be completely destroyed and rebuilt, but I would say probably not rebuilt in the way that we understand them. We, the only way forward is going to be some version of homeschooling or small community-based school projects, which one person referred to as pods, to create community pods where children can come together. But nonetheless... We have that responsibility, and it's not going away, and it's not going to get any lesser. And just a couple other things, just so you get a little background on what is actually going on with this Trump lawsuit, because I did bring it up. I want you to hear this. This is from an attorney. He doesn't take sides, by the way. He just lays out the facts of what is actually this lawsuit that New York has waged on President Trump is really about. Forget about the FBI and Mar-a-Lago. Forget about any of the investigations that have gone into Trump and his affairs. Less than an hour ago, the Attorney General of New York announced a new one. I'm going to explain the crimes alleged, and I should note, this particular suit alleges Eric, Ivanka, Donald Jr., as well as Trump's business entities, in addition to Trump himself. So what's the bottom line here? Allegations identify $250 million in damages due to overvalued asset claims over a 10-year period from 2011 to 2021. And you say, what does that mean? Basically, a long-term investigation shows that Trump, the Trump family, and Trump's business entities had a long-term practice of criminally overstating the value of their assets, particularly real estate, in order to get better interest rates from lenders and insurers. Now, if you aren't familiar with finance, this is basically what that looks like. Suppose I wanted to obtain a $100 million loan from a bank. But the bank wants to make sure that I'm not just going to lose all of that money. So they ask me what collateral I have. If I tell them that I have a $100 million building, the bank will give me one rate. But if instead I tell them that I have a $200 million building, my rate will be much better. That's because the lending institution now believes that my underlying collateral is more valuable. Of course, that's simplified, but that explains the essence of the lawsuit here. Now, proving this case may be difficult. Real estate valuations are inherently subjective. In this case, though, it appears there is evidence that the Trumps and their business entities used valuations of a dramatically different order. For example, on receiving a valuation from a financial institution that Trump's 40 Wall Street property was worth $200 million, allegations that Trump then turned around and claimed the value of that property was $400 million to obtain a loan. Critics, however, point out the timing of these lawsuits is far from serendipitous. As the Wall Street Journal itself has suggested, they say that the numerous investigations into Trump collapsing in the last several months demonstrate intentional strategy from Democrat-appointed attorneys general right before midterms to attack Trump as a straw man for the Republican Party and galvanize the Democratic vote. Trump's eldest sons have already taken to Twitter in about the last eight minutes. Donald Jr. saying that this is all about politics. Eric calling it, quote, a joke. Whether that is accurate, time will tell. For more news and legal analysis, be sure to like and follow. So, Patriots, the key of this whole thing and why I brought this piece in under, the, under tonight's show is because a product of an MKUltra-type generation is highly emotional. They've lost a lot of their cognitive capacities, and they're influenced by emotional topics. The left right now is ginning up every bit of force it can against the MAGA movement and anything that relates or, or aligns itself with that movement. That can be independence. That can be America first. 
It can be MAGA. It can be Q. It could be just people that are standing up for the Constitution. But that group is increasingly growing, and they're building a cohesion across the political spectrum. What the left understands very well is they have created a body of people that are of hive mind mentality. That has resulted from years of very strategic type programming built around the principles of common core, now critical race theory and Q theory, queer theory. Keep in mind that in 2008, a person that was in say grade school that was eight years old today is now 20, almost 32. Okay. Or 22, excuse me, 22. 24 actually they've they have grown into a place where they're a legitimate voting force and they've gone through the program to create a mental state to where they are going to be a much more emotionally type based person and they're going to be more subject to these sort of emotional flare-ups that they're doing the hatred for president trump generates from many things and it's easy to fire up even today there's no rational logic about it it all has to do with a perception that is rooted in a principle of MK Ultra type type programming in their in these subjects that are following the Democrat Party. It doesn't matter how many people actually voted for Biden. There is a mass of people now that they're mobilizing with this type of a lawsuit. These are the same people that believe in Common Core. These are the same people because they were subject of it. They were the same people that believe in critical race theory, and they're the same people that believe and support queer theory. They're, they are like rabid dogs. They will not stop until they're put down. We have to draw a seminal line. Part of this fight, again, is to get the kids out of public school. Don't think that they won't turn this fight and try to make homeschooling illegal. I'm sure they will. But that, again, that has to be our vigilance to fight this and to ensure that we have the right to educate and protect our children from this machine it is trying to literally consume their souls. The fight is very real. The war is very real. The consequences are very real. And they're going to last generations. What we do to protect these children now will only make a difference. They will either preserve this nation or it will lose this nation, depending on how successful we are in our own fight. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight humbled, thankful, grateful each night as we're able to assemble together in a fellowship that expands the globe. And Father, we're grateful tonight for some very hard discussions and deeper looks at topics to open our eyes to the many things and threats that are again coming at our children. This is a system, Father, that is designed and engineered for the sole purpose of creating slaves. We are constantly fighting that. We are constantly at odds with the system that is trying to enslave us and our children. So, Father, we pray, first of all, tonight for discernment, the ability for people to see through this nonsense, to start having the understanding of truly what the education system is doing to their children and what the system itself is doing to them as parents. We also pray for common sense, a common sense rooted in faith, that people will start to see, as they see through this, seek their relationship with Christ, to come to Christ and to be guided by the wisdom that only Christ and you can provide. Guide us, Father, in these times. Protect us. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. The war is real. And it's never been more real than now. In the coming couple of months, two, three, four months, a lot of things are going to get shaken up. And it's just a matter of timing. It's a matter of culminations. It's a matter of tensions and rising anxieties and fears and anger. Our way through this is to avoid all the anxiety, fear, and anger, keeping a clear head in this fight. We have a very important role to play, and it's only just beginning. But it begins now, first and foremost, to do everything we can to help save and protect these children. We don't need any more damage. We have to start finding everywhere we can to find the small victories. So let me close with this. 
in Afghanistan in 2010, actually 2011. It was the spring of 2011, and I had the honor and privilege of giving the final briefing to General Scott Miller before he left country. In that briefing, I laid out a program, which was a information operations program designed to re-empower the people of Afghanistan, to give the power back to the people over a period of two, three, four years, all using information methods. When I got through the whole thing, and there was a lot of challenges in this particular brief, it's like every single thing that could go wrong went wrong, and still we made it through. General Miller pushed back on his chair, and he looked over at me, and he said, Scott, I understand what you're trying to do. He said, so let me give you a little bit of advice. Small victories. He said, that's how I succeeded in this country, and it's how you will succeed if you follow this, if you follow this plan. Small victories, patriots, are about worrying about, not worrying about the strategic picture. Start worrying about what's most local to you and find the small win and mark it up. Because every small win that we have adds up to being a bigger win. And the small wins lead to bigger and bigger lead to bigger. If we keep that in mind in this entire fight and always put the small victories as the primary object of what we're trying to do, we will change this world faster than you have any idea. But if we're trying to always change the big picture and the big strategic moving pieces, we're going to get slaughtered because that's where they are most entrenched and where they have the most resources to fight. But one-on-one -on -one is where it begins, person to person. And as we make those changes and those victories, we will conquer this nation in a way almost unimaginable from where we sit right now. And it will happen quickly. So remember, small victories. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor 
we'll light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 